Ion 2020, episode 26. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray, your host of Eye on 2020, the place you've been coming to every day to get all the news and information that you need, uh, all of the goings-on of the 2020 presidential election. I'm continuing on with my journey with you guys to uh, share as much of this information as I can. I'm digging through the news so you don't have to, because there is not much but boring stuff going on within these uh, news articles, and I don't want you guys to have to waste your time, uh, you know, get bored, fall asleep even, when you're going through these articles. I'll do it for you. That's what I'm here for. I am your host, Ray Eaton of Ion2020. Thank you again for coming back. I know uh, I'm starting to see a lot more listeners of the show, and that is great. Go ahead and share it with your friends, because they might enjoy listening to it as well. If you're a Republican, Democrat, liberal, uh, libertarian, the whole nine yards, you could listen every day because I give a, I give a unbiased view. Well, I guess I'm a libertarian, so I give a biased view, but I give a libertarian spin on all of this, these information. But I think I give each guy, each of these people a fair shake. Like yesterday I was doing a, a, uh, show on Donald Trump, right? And you know, Although I don't agree with all of his views, I think that he is putting together some good information with or good uh, points with regards to his anti-war stance. Now he's not completely anti-war. Don't get me wrong; he's not even anti-war, I guess. But he's he likes the idea of a non-interventionist foreign policy in some way. It seems to me he knows that that's one of the things that got him elected, and that's good. So I'm giving these people a fair shake. If he, uh, if he does things that are wrong, if he does things that I disagree with, if he does things that, from a libertarian's perspective, are, you know, just not in line with, with these views, then I'll go ahead and call him out on those things too, and I do that as much as I can. Same thing with these, these uh, Democratic candidates. Cory Booker, I went through all the things that he does, or all of his views that, you know, I can get on board with, but then I, you know, give the critique that we need. I did that with just about all of the candidates so far that are running. And I think that's important. You know, you want to get an idea of what these candidates are, what their views are, the things that they believe in, the things that they have done in the past that might indicate what they would do in the future. You want to give these guys a fair shake. Uh, they're all, but they're all status. They all believe that the state is a mechanism that should be used in order to get to um, to get their political ends achieved, right? That's what they are. That's what most politicians are. That's what the state is, is a mechanism of force, and these people want to use it. And you know, that's just the way they are. So 
as a libertarian, I'm going to disagree with them on the principle of a lot of these things, but, you know, if they're going to take an anti-war stance, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to applaud them on that. There's no reason why I shouldn't. I'm not completely naive to the fact that these people can have some good views, but the thing is, is are they using a, are they going to use the state's power of coercion in order to achieve their ends? And most of those people are fully on board with that. Donald Trump is fully on board with that. So, but this is Ion 2020, your place to find all the information in the news regarding the 2020 election as we proceed further into the election cycle. I will be updating you daily, and here I am today updating you on some more good information that you're going to need to make some decisions going into 2020 to see who you're going to support, to see who you're going to criticize, to see who you're going to make memes about, all that good stuff, right? Here we are. So go ahead while you got a chance, because I know you got some time, go ahead and uh, subscribe to my show on whatever podcatcher you're listening through. Go ahead and do it. Hit that subscribe button. And then go ahead and share it with your friends. And if you want to, you can follow me on uh, Twitter. And that is I on the Empire. So at I on the Empire. I'm not much of a Twitter user in the past. Hadn't been in the past. And I think that that is the way you find me, though, is at I on the Empire. If you search for it, you should find it because that is me. Go ahead and make some comments. Let me know how you feel. Even if you can, uh, if you want to, you can go ahead and, you know, just write a review about the show as well. I'd, I'd really appreciate that. So, what I wanted to get into today, I think is, or one of the issues I wanted to get into today, because I'm just kind of going through some news articles and things of that nature, and yesterday I was hearing, I was listening to a couple of podcasts and I heard something, I don't know where I heard it, but they were just talking about Elizabeth Warren's idea of this... Uh, this wealth tax, and something struck me, and it never even occurred to me until they said this on the show, and uh, it was just that, if you had a wealth tax on everybody, how would the government enforce that wealth tax, right? They are going to have to, right now, as a, you know, as a citizen of the United States, you have to, you have to claim taxes with the IRS, I mean, we all know that, it's February, and we have a deadline of April, you know, 16th, in order to file our taxes, so we all know that, unless you're under 18, I guess, and not working, then you don't have to file taxes, right? But if you're working, if you're a working age person, you make your 400 bucks a week, and they take 300, or they take 100 of it, you get 300, you're going to want to file taxes, because you'll get a tax return back. So, but we all do that, we, we file with us, with the federal government what our taxes are, or what, what our income was, and then we pay taxes accordingly, it's been withheld. And then the government, benevolently, I guess, uh, benevolently, gives you back a little bit of money that you overpaid. So, it's uh, it's done on an honor system. It's not like you're audited every single year. Not everybody is. Um, a lot of times, you're unlikely to be audited. I think it's like less than 1% of people are audited, and mostly that's uh, small business owners medium-sized business owners that are claiming taxes, you know, on income made through their business, and it's a, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of businesses are audited and so forth, but the individual, you know, the common worker, unlikely to be audited, so it's done on, you know, 
sort of a honor system. But if you were going to get into a wealth tax, how would the government enforce that? That that just blows my mind because they are going to be what on the end of your IRS form, you're going to have to claim every single year what your net worth is or something. The, to me, that's the hardest thing to that's a hard thing to determine first of all for the common person but they would have to do it as a blanket what's your net worth and write all your assets and all of your liabilities onto a sheet onto a spreadsheet of some sort and then that determines what your net worth is right so how would that be determined it would be so it would be so intrusive in our lives if you had a wealth tax absolutely so a bit let's let's take the person that has 55 million dollars worth of assets right most likely he's not just swimming around in a pile of cash like scrooge mcduck does uh i don't know if you remember that show i always say scrooge mcduck in it because back in the i think it was the 80s there was a show called um duck tales and uh i was a kid and i was watching that show as a cartoon and duck tales was always on and it always shows scrooge mcduck swimming around in his gold down in his basement and uh he would you know spit out gold coins and stuff as if it was like water coming out of it like he had that much gold just sitting there and that was scrooge mcduck so it's not like that that's not that that's the comic book version of how rich people are but that's not the reality why would and this is what someone said on that podcast and i remember it vividly he said he said, why would a, I think it was the Tom Woods show actually, and they were, they said, why would a, why would a rich person just keep all their money in cash? That would be the stupidest thing that they can do because of inflation, right? So they're not keeping their money in cash, and there are times when cash is a good place to be, <clears throat> times of deflation and things like that, um, having that as liquid, liquid assets if you needed it, but most likely, a business owner is not going to keep their money sitting in cash. And most likely a very wealthy person is going to keep their money sitting in cash. So they're going to be sitting there, sitting on piles of, um, they might have assets in homes. They might have, you know, eight or nine rental properties that they own. They might have their business. They might have stocks and bonds and all kinds of other assets that they carry that are appreciating assets. They might keep their money in gold. They might keep their money in silver. They might keep... that. There's there's thousands of alternatives. I mean, I heard someone say the other day that keeping your money in 100-year Maduro wine is like one of the best investments you can have. It's the most stable way to hold your money because it's only going to increase in a certain amount per year and the Maduro wine never goes bad. So... I think it's like a Portuguese wine. I don't even know what it is, but I looked it up the other day, and you know, one bottle of that of a hundred-year Maduro wine will go for five or six hundred bucks right now. So if you bought your, if you bought that, you could hold it for twenty or thirty years. That's a great store of value. <clears throat> so you could have it in anything. You could, you might trade commodities. You might, you know, buy stock futures. You might buy um, options. To, you know, option farm corn options and things like that like that might be where you store your value who knows but the government the federal government would be so intrusive in all of our lives if they decided to declare a wealth tax because every single one of us from the time you start filing taxes is gonna have to declare all of your assets 
every single year, no matter what. And so the government can take their piece of the pie. And then the other thing that they said is, if that is the case, if there's somebody that has the wealth tax and they have $55 million worth of assets and they have to pay 3 or 2% of that to the federal government, they're either going to have to sell those assets or take out a loan against those assets to pay the to pay that that tax every single year. So that person is going to have to take out, you know, $1 million in a loan or just find the cash to do it or sell some of his property or whatever in order to get that money. So it's going to be a huge disruptor in the economy in some ways as well, if that was the case. Because somebody that has a billion-dollar business can't just flood the market with you know, $10 million worth of shares of stock in their company. Um, it's just it's going to disrupt the market in that way as well, which that's not the biggest concern I have. My biggest concern is the intrusiveness of the federal government at that point, and it sickens me to know that the federal government is, I mean, that these people are that willing to allow the federal government to have that much <clears throat> control or information about an individual. <clears throat> Somebody, people have talked about the the uh, federal income tax before and says that it's a violation of the Constitution based upon, you know, the government not being able to um, have unlawful search and seizure of your property and things of that nature. Um, I've heard that before, but that is totally a violation of that same amendment if that is the case, if they're going to, you know, force you to declare all of your assets to the government. I don't want our government to have that much power. I don't think it's right. And besides the fact that just the fact that they're willing to tax, I mean, the government is not going to distribute that money better than the rich person does. And the fact is, is it's confiscation of wealth and it's stealing and it's wrong. And that's my main reason for being against that, against the wealth tax, but also the intrusiveness of our government. That is absolutely wrong as well. And that's something that I hope that I don't think is a serious right now anyway in the political environment that we're in now. I don't think this is a serious thing that's going to get passed. I don't think it ever would right now, but all they're trying to do, all these liberals are trying to do is start this little class warfare stirring up the pot type thing in order to get something because they're all about incrementally incremental wins, right? They're all about getting a little bit more control over your life a little bit more control over the economy. The more they can do that, the better off you know, the better off these people feel that somehow they're soaking the rich by giving the government more the federal government more power and that's wrong. So that's my that's my feelings on this wealth tax. I, I really was happy that I heard that particular podcast yesterday. I think it was the Tom Woods show, um, when they mentioned that specific idea that um this is just a, a way for the government to become more intrusive in your lives, and it's wrong. So I just wanted to bring that up to you guys today. And then there's on to some more news as well that I found. So this particular news article is from NBCNews.com, and it's from February 4th, 2019. It's by Alex Seatswald, and uh, he's from NBC News. And it, the article is, the uh, title of the article says, Poll, Dems want electable challenger who can beat Trump. Values come second. This year is a change from what qualities voters are looking for in their 2020 nominee. So 
he starts off, he says, spooked by the 2016 election, Democratic voters say they want, above all else, someone who can beat President Trump, according to a new poll on Monday. So I think I said that a couple weeks ago as well, that the Democrats absolutely are going to have a hard time getting somebody into you know, the nomination that's going to be an ideologue, right? They're, they're definitely going to. And the reason why is because these people just want to beat Trump. So they're going to go with the most electable candidate they can, the person that's most middle ground, the person that's going to appeal to the blue-collar workers, and so forth. Now, that's what the poll says that that's what the Democrats want. But the people that are most likely to get out there and vote in the Democratic Party are the ones that are more ideologically driven. So you have the younger people that are all about, you know, the Bernie Sanders, the Bernie Sanders followers and so forth, you're going to have those social Democrats out, the socialists out there that are trying to get these people in that are more from a, coming from a more social, social democratic standpoint. They had big wins in 2018. So I think that they might have a hard time getting, you know, just that middle of the road candidate in a Hillary Clinton or, you know, these just middle road people, you're going to have more likelihood of getting a Donald, or not a Donald Trump, sorry, a Bernie Sanders in, because if, depends upon how the voters turn out, right? Um, like a Joe Biden, very middle of the road guy. And there's a, there's a couple of other candidates that I've seen that are sort of taking more of a middle road ground, you know, middle road approach as well. Kamala Harris, I think she said, she, it sounds like she's trying to take more of a middle ground road as well. But that's what the Democratic voters are going to be looking for, the average general, the average Democratic voter. But what about the likely primary voters? And that's where my one, that's what I wonder as well. So the, then the article continues, quote, the only problem is they disagree on how you beat Donald Trump. So Democratic voters disagree on how to beat Donald Trump. Going on, the poll from Mammoth... Monmouth University found that an unusual large number of Democratic voters are prioritizing electability over values as they begin to think about whom to support in the 2020 election primary. In prior elections, voters from both parties consistently prioritized shared values over electability when selecting a nominee, said Patrick Murray. It looks like Democrats may be willing to flip the equation in 2020 because of their desire to defeat Donald Trump. This is something to pay close attention to when primary voters really start tuning into the campaign. The problem for Democrats is that after Trump's shocking upset in 2016, there's widespread disagreement on what electability even looks like. After all, Hillary Clinton was supposed to be more electable than Bernie Sanders, but she and her campaign were still blindsided by Trump and lost the presidency in the Electoral College, even as they won the popular vote. So... That is true. So Bernie Sanders seemed to be the late, less electable candidate over Donald Trump. But Donald Trump, man, he is a heavy hitter. He hits he hits hard. And if you hit him, he hits back twice as hard. That's just the way he is. He will go off on a Twitter rampage with you or against you if you hit him hard. And Hillary Clinton tried, and she just looked terrible. But she was a bad candidate in the first place. She had lots of baggage. Um, people liked her-ish, but they didn't love her. Um... There's just a lot of things that were wrong with her, along with, you know, her past history in the State Department with the 
with um, Libya and the things that were going on over there. These emails and, you know, Donald Trump jumped on this bandwagon of lock her up, lock her up. He had the people chanting that constantly. And that's just, I mean, if he brought that back out against her, but he's going to go just as hard against anybody else as he did against Hillary Clinton. And um, Bernie Sanders is good at staying on topic, so maybe he is more electable. Like, he really focuses in on very specific issues, targets those issues, talks about the problems of society, and then he gets you wound into those problems, and then he offers his solutions, and people seem to resonate with those solutions. Um, So maybe he is more electable, but that's what the people said is what's... Getting back to the article... What the what do they think is the most? What do the Democrats determine is the more electable candidate? That's kind of a very subjective measure, and this is what they get on to say. That's not to say this is continuing the article quote. That's not to say Sanders would have won, but the party leaders and the 2020 candidates themselves will have to spend much of the next year and half in the half debating not just why they are the best candidate to face Trump, but what criteria even should be used to judge that question in the most is the most electable candidate a moderate who won't scare off the upwardly mobile suburbs that were crucial in this, the party's gains in 2018 midterms or is it a person of color who can excite african americans and latinos whose turnout dropped off in 2016 or could it be a populist progressive who can try to back white union voters who drifted from the democratic party in those up in those upper Midwest states that were crucial to Trump's victory? Or is it something else entirely? That's what they're getting out in the circle. Nobody really knows. Nobody knows what is the electable candidate. Donald Trump, maybe he's a genius in that way because it's hard to decide what, you know, how to go at him, right? They, they They can accuse him of cheating on his wife, they could accuse him of, I mean, he said it in the past, right? Donald Trump said it during the campaign. I can go and shoot somebody right in the streets in New York and my base would still follow me. And it is true. Absolutely true. So, he's going to have his base. He's going to have his, those people that follow him. And, I mean, he has this anti-war stance now and so forth. Um, he can be the he could be the great peacemaker in the next you know, he could run as the peacemaker in the next election. Who knows? So, it's hard to tell the Democrats their biggest thing is that they want someone that's electable. So that's what they're going to go for. That's what every single person in their mind when they go into the ballot box, you know, whenever they're doing the primaries in every one of those states, is who's the most electable against Donald Trump. That's what they're going to be thinking. So that, for these candidates, is going to be what they're going to have to highlight. All the Democratic candidates, Elizabeth Warren through Tulsi Gabbard, they're going to have to highlight themselves as the most electable candidate. So who do you guys think is the most electable candidate? I'd love to hear you guys talk about that on my Twitter handle. That is at IonTheEmpire. IonTheEmpire. All one word, obviously. And if you can let me know who you think is the most electable candidate on the Democratic ticket, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I mean, if somebody can run against Donald Trump, who's the most electable in that world, right? Because can you get a William Weld? who's been talking about, or I think they just said that he went from a libertarian, he changed his his party affiliation from libertarian back to Republican, 
So is he going to run against Donald Trump? Is he electable against Donald Trump? Who knows? So, but from the Democratic standpoint, go ahead and tell me who you think is the most electable candidate right now that's running. Um, I honestly think it's probably somebody like a... Um, like an Elizabeth Warren, she seems a little bit more moderate. Or if Joe Biden gets in, I think that he would be a possible electable candidate. He's got that blue-collar worker. He'll get the blue-collar workers behind him. He has the experience. So people will take that into account when they go to the polls as well. So let's go ahead and, you know, go ahead and get on Twitter. Let me know what you think, all right? So let me go ahead and close up then. I appreciate all of you for listening to Eye on 2020. I'm bringing you as much news as I can every single day, uh, giving you a little bit of analysis on these candidates, giving you a little bit of information that you're going to need as we go forward. And hopefully I can be entertaining too. That's, you know, I think that that's something that's really important. I've listened to some podcasts that have just been terrible in the past, and you just want to fall asleep when you hear these people talk. Hopefully that's not the case for you because I've been going for about 30 minutes now and uh, you might be asleep by now if that's the case, right? But anyhow, go ahead and uh, subscribe to my subscribe to my show. Leave me a rating, leave me a review, five-star review if you'd like. Um, and if you want to give me any criticism as well, if you want to tell me what you think about the show, if you want to tell me uh, you know, the goods and the bads, then go ahead and go to my Twitter handle, at I on the Empire, and you can talk to me there as well. Let me know what you think. And uh, I appreciate you coming out today and listening to Eye on 2020. This is the place where you're going to be able to look clearly at the 2020 election with Eye on 2020. Have a great day.